Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. So welcome everyone to the Spirit of EQ podcast. I'm Eric Pennington and joining me as always is Jeff East with the Spirit of EQ. Hi, Eric and all our listeners. So I'm going to talk about letting the EQ flow, Jeff. Okay. I know what you're thinking. There is a song from way back when by the Bellamy Brothers. Well, it's not, I mean, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you confess it, right? Um, so I think just for the audience purposes, what I was really thinking of when I think thought about flow is I thought about yoga, right? There is a, there's that term is used in that. And typically that's describing when there's a consistent movement happening from pose to pose, right? Some people, when they think about yoga, they think about a pose, they hold the pose and then they move to the next pose. This communicates the flow indicates more active, more purposeful in the sense of movement. Mm -hmm. So in one of the sessions that we did for a client not too long ago, it, it, it occurred to me that, you know, when you're in the safety of the bubble of the session, um, some of it, it's just, it's very theoretical, right? Mm -hmm. It goes, oh yeah. So when that happens and I do this and then I do that, and then that leads to this. But Jeff, you and I both know, uh, if life were that predictable, <laughs> but Emotions don't come one at a time. No. Right? They don't come at a certain pace. Right? No. Wouldn't it be great if we could say we experience one emotion an hour of all of our 12 hours of waking, right? They're not on call. They're not on call, right? So they come consistently, constantly, and they variate depending on what we experience in a mm -hmm. given day, problem, opportunity, or what have you, right? So... I thought today that we could kind of talk about some of the background about what happens when emotions come, maybe tackle some of the neuro side of that, um, and talk about why that matters, because it does, mm -hmm. right? And then I'm going to kind of talk about the process that I use to manage this deal. Like, what am I going to do with anger or joy or apprehension, whatever the, the emotion might be. And then we, we have a, we'll, we'll end it up with talking about um, the importance of developing a practice and the danger if you don't and the encouragement if you do. Okay. So Jeff, when we think about emotions, we, we know that emotions are chemicals in our mm -hmm. brain. It's a part of being a human being. Um, I don't know if I told you or not. I don't think I did. We had one participant um, that uh, one of our business partners was taking care of who basically said, I don't have any emotions. 
And <laughs> exactly, it, it does make you kind of chuckle. And this particular gentleman uh, uh, was in the military, and my guess is, and I didn't really go into too much detail with our partner, but uh, you know, it was this idea that emotions get in the way. You've got to move them out so that you can really, you know, those they're they're really distractions, inconveniences, nuisances, that kind of thing. Uh, but we know that science proves that it is they're chemicals. Mm -hmm. And when an emotion comes to us, whether we're encountering a threat or we are encountering an opportunity, a problem, whatever, um, those emotions release, your brain releases all these chemicals, hormones, and peptides mm -hmm. that is a natural part of how you're made. Now, I'm not a neuroscientist, and I'm not going to try to get into the nitty-gritty because that's not the point of our time no. together. But you can rest assured, when the emotion comes, you're going to feel it, right? Mm -hmm. um, the example of driving in rush hour traffic, and you are running late, and you've got, you're making good time, and then maybe three miles from your exit to that meeting, traffic is at a standstill. You're going to feel an emotion. And then you add in things like the cup of coffee you sh probably shouldn't have drank, and you name it, it just builds up. It just builds, right? So it's not lost on anybody, right, that the better we are at managing those emotions, mm -hmm. the better our decisions will be, which is really kind of the ultimate goal, right? Let me make a better decision, a la if I'm stuck in traffic, do I want to scream at the top of my lungs and smack the driver, uh, the not the driver, <laughs> smack the steering wheel? Um, do I want to build up all this anxiety about what will happen if I'm late and conjure up all these stories around how I will be perceived? and Or do I want to make a better decision around, okay, this is the situation. What are my options? What choices do I have? Well, wow, I could call my partner, Jeff, and say, Jeff, it looks like I'm probably going to be about 10 minutes late. Can you go ahead and get started? Right? Or I might call the actual client or the person I'm meeting with and say, you know, it's 70 and here where we live, 70 West, 70 East is typical road. Um, and it looks like traffic is backed up at such a level that it's going to make me late. Um, or I might just decide, you know what? It is what it is, and I'm just going to roll with it. And being late is not a cardinal sin. You know, I'm not meeting with the president of the United States. Um, <laughs> it'll be okay. Well, even if you were late with him. But mm -hmm. you could, yeah, there's some other options. Well, that lane you're not supposed to drive in, I'm going to do that. Yes. And then who do you pass? State Highway Patrolman. Right. <laughs> they don't like you doing that. Right. And typically, if in this case you decided to take that lane that you're not supposed to drive in, your management of that emotion probably was very, very diminished in the process, right? Because that's probably a reaction, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to be late, Jeff. Get into the other lane so I can get there. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I got to do this. Well, Look at those lights behind me. A re reaction, not a response. Right. A very clear uh, um, difference, right? So 
the idea is that we want to get better at that. We, we want to have a better understanding of what's happening to us, physiological as well as neuro, right? And when we're able to, when we get better at that, typically assessments will show higher emotional intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. If we're not doing so well with it, it probably will indicate more than likely that your emotional intelligence is low, right? So Eric, what are the things that you do to manage your emotions in these situations? Yes. So um, we use the traffic example uh, just because that's an easy one for most people to kind of relate to. But we all know that there's, there's multiple ones, multiple ones. And I believe, Jeff, it's important for our audience to know that this is not some superpower that you and I discovered when we were on a trip to New Mexico. <laughs> we were traveling and hiking, and then I said, Jeff, look over here. It's the Emotional Intelligence Gym. <laughs> and there's two of them, one for you and one for me. And then all of a sudden, we're just emotionally intelligent, right? Um, if so, only so. If only so. <laughs> but the reality is, is that we have to develop a practice. Mm -hmm. We have to be intentional, right? So what I'm going to describe is what I typically do. And I want to stress to everyone out there that um, you're going to fail. You're going to trip. Mm -hmm. This is not a game of, well, how do I get to the destination of perfection or nirvana? It is not that at all. Because no. you're never going to get there anyway, regardless <laughs> of what I say. But the reality is this is, again, the development of a practice, intentional, right? So um, I'll give you a great example. Um, my daughter... Um, came in from Seattle and uh, she, she lives in Seattle and she was here to visit. And on the night she got in, it was late afternoon-ish, maybe mid-afternoon, if I'm remembering right. And so it was kind of, everybody's feeling good about it. She's here, we're going to go out, you know. So we end up going and um, I ended up having to do a lot of driving that day. Mm -hmm. um, more than I care to do, right? And my daughter and my, my wife are very extroverted, so they've never met a party, an event uh, <laughs> that wasn't worth checking out. I'm married to one of those. Okay, <laughs> but I'm kind of tired, right? So we get to the ice cream place, and we are inside, and I'm one of these people that I don't do well with air-conditioned environments for long periods of time. I get cold. I mean, it could be 95 degrees out, and it's like, I feel like I'm in an ice box, right? And I've joked with people, I can get into my car, have the windows up. It's 95 degrees. I've just come out of this air-conditioned house or building. <laughs> I could go for 45 minutes of driving and keep the windows up and not have any air on. <laughs> That's how cold it gets for me, right? Mm -hmm. So I walk into this ice cream shop, which was ultra cold, right? <laughs> And I'm, I just leaned over to my wife and I said, I'm going to just stand outside, right? So I'm tired. I'm kind of cold. Now I'm getting warm. Uh, it's been a long day. I start, and again, I had other emotions before that, but I want to use this for the purposes of an example. I was starting to feel frustrated. And the frustration came when my daughter said, oh, on the way home, could we stop by Fusion? Because I, I, I'm really hungry too. <laughs> I start to feel it. 
the frustration. So I'm sitting there outside in a, and, and I'm kind of, okay, well, what do I need to do then? I'm starting to kick in. I go to consequential thinking. That's my typical go-to. And consequential thinking, Jeff, weighing the cost and benefits mm-hmm. of the choices we're going to make, right? Right. I go to that and I ask myself, okay, this is your time. Your daughter has come in from Seattle and now you're kind of feeling frustrated because you're tired. You don't want to drive anymore. You're cold. and Or do you want to smile on your face? Do you want to explain to them, hey, I'm, I'm really kind of tired. Um, I don't mean to seem like I'm not into what's going on. Um, I'm glad you're here. And I thought about that. Now, what's interesting that I want to point out, Jeff, right, is that the thought came, you want to go to fusion now? <laughs> the emotion, frustration, all the stuff we've talked about, those chemical hormones and peptides start to kick off. Fortunately, I've also applied in my process the pause. Mm-hmm. And the pause is nothing more than giving me time to let all those chemical hormones and peptides to subside. For Jeff, for you, it might be two seconds. For our producer, Brett, it might be 10. Everybody's going to be different, Mm -hmm. but we got to find where our pause is. So in my pause, I I allowed my prefrontal, my executive function of my brain to kick in. Consequential thinking, I go to that tool. What do you want? Which, you know, cost and benefit. It worked out that way. And they were very understanding. Now, everybody could applaud and say, oh, that's awesome, Eric. Great (laughs) illustration. But I'd like you to think for a minute, Jeff. What if I reacted? What if I reacted when the frustration came? Now, Knowing I know myself pretty well, I probably would have sighed, rolled my eyes, and just kind of crossed my arms, which communicates what? (laughs) No, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't want to do that, which basically kind of sends the other message. This is all about me. Yeah. I'll be happy when you do what I want you to do, and I don't want to go to fusion, so you should say, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) We're not. I. I. I'm, I don't want to do that. I, I'm sorry. I, I take that back. Okay. Let's just go home and make a sandwich. Right. Because, and these things happen very quickly and very subtly. But I'm so thankful. And when I say that I've built a practice, it is not a completed work because I'm about ready to tell you where I failed miserably. Okay. So, I'm in this place, and. I still was tired. I still was, I mean, I'm not denying the frustration. I'm, I'm not denying that it's been a long day. It's, it doesn't wipe that away. It just means my navigation through that experience of the problem, the opportunity, what have you, mm-hmm. is being managed, right? Mm-hmm. And some people out there might say, well, Eric, I don't have time to pause. I'm, I work in this field and you've got to make a decision like that, right? I don't care. <laughs> Everybody's got to develop it. Yeah. You, and, yeah. It's right. Yeah. And it, right. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing I'm going to do just a quick 
offshoot experiment, Jeff. Okay. For our audience, bear with me. And um, if I can get it to work. Okay, Jeff, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. Starting now. That was six seconds. Mm-hmm. Feel like an eternity? It can. Mm-hmm. Right. It, and it can feel like a really long time. Right. So, again, everybody has to find their window of time. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it has to be that six seconds that I just let elapse when I said begin and then you heard my phone go mm-hmm. off the alarm. But we have to build that practice. It's essential. And, you know, when you say the word practice, to me that implies I'm trying to get better. Right, and uh, that is a part of it. Mm-hmm. The, the, so in, in many ways it's a dual thing. Mm-hmm. It is developing a practice of I, I need to get better, so I need to I need to recognize patterns better. I need to I need to use consequential thinking better. So when I'm in this situation, I'm working on it. I'm it's just it's no different that if you're playing a team sport mm-hmm. or playing a musical instrument, it is that repetition, right? Because you're building a new neural pathway. You're building this repetition, right? It's also a practice, as in what we say with a doctor. The doctor has a practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the work that we do in many ways is a practice, mm-hmm. right? Right. So I'm trying to communicate it in a way that we understand that if somebody asks, how do you handle your emotions? How do you deal with when you've got all this coming at you, that coming? We're saying you have something you go to. Um, back in March, uh, I gave a talk for a chamber of commerce. It was their annual meeting. And I used for the talk um, – uh, uh, my stage prop is I brought out a, a tool bag. Okay. Right. And I was illustrating to them in this talk that your emotional intelligence is the tool bag. Inside of the tool bag are these competencies or tools. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why you grab a hammer, not a wrench. There's a reason why you grab a socket wrench versus a pair of pliers. Right. And obviously, the more knowledgeable you come, the more you practice you begin to gain a certain practice around what you do when you encounter a problem or an opportunity. Well, you know, we talk about muscle memory for an athlete. You're talking about emotional memory or mental memory. Well, yeah, because the repetition of it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I used in that same talk, I I had issues with a sink um, faucet that had loosened up. You know, the ones where if you think of the sink and it's kind of in the little round hole, it kind of got loosened up by a contractor who was at our home, right? Mm -hmm. And I started off with a pair of pliers because I thought maybe I can get up underneath the sink (laughs) and I can get to the nut and just turn it. Futile. I go and I try using all kinds of wrench sizes. It's just such a tight space underneath the sink. And I had a good friend that said, Eric, there is an undermount sink wrench. (laughs) <laughs> and sure enough, Jeff, and if we were doing video, I could show you, right? <laughs> this little wrench, it, it, if you can imagine, um, there's a horizontal bar for like a grip. There's a vertical little tube, uh-huh. steel tube. And at the end of it, there's this clamp and it's flexible. 
and you just get up underneath the sink and you put it up underneath there. That thing uh, releases, and then when it catches the bolt, it immediately tightens, and then you turn. You know, I I want to share one. Yes, I, uh, we had a shower. The shower head it snapped off right where it goes into the pipe. You know, that's right. in the wall. Yeah, and I spent hours getting that broken piece of pipe out. Mm-hmm. So. We live up in, in Westerville, Ohio, and there's a, a good hardware store called Roush Hardware, mm-hmm. where the guys that guys and women that work there know that what they're doing. Yeah. And I was explaining what I went through, and the guy went over, and he got this little thing. It's about big as a walnut that you put inside the broken piece of pipe, and it expands, and it just winds out. Yeah. So it's- instead of going to some place where I could get help, I had to do it my way. Yeah. So I turned a 10-minute thing into <laughs> – Well, here's the thing. As illustrated there, and illustrate, I spent a lot of time trying to use these With various – frustration. All and of that, Anger. Right? And- but, but here's the thing. The more that we work on this, mm-hmm. right, practicing to develop a practice, right, you begin to know. So, Jeff, if you said to me, Eric, my sink faucet somehow has gotten loose, what should I use to tighten it? Jeff, I'm going to tell you, you need an undermount sink wrench. I'll send you a photo. I'll send you the link on Home Depot, right? Um, versus if you don't know and I don't know, you're probably going to think, well, let me go. I've got to have some tool somewhere. Because, Jeff, when we encounter opportunities, problems, threats, those are big deals. Yeah. In the case I described, now when I have something like that, I go there before I get yeah. a wrench out. So think about our relationships. <laughs> Mm-hmm. in our work, and our family. Where's that tool for empathy? Oh, there it is. Where's that tool for recognized patterns? Oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is extremely powerful. And the illustration I gave for you about my daughter and ice cream and sitting outside and all that, I went to the tool of consequential thinking, mm-hmm. right? I weighed the cost and benefit, Right? That's how I go about doing it. Um, and it's it, here's the thing that has to be noted as well. When we do these things, especially in relationships, it's like planting seeds of love and strength and encouragement, power. I mean, there's so much that comes from us doing this. Um. And some of it doesn't get revealed to you right in the moment. But you never know, and when you manage your emotions in an effective way, the impact that it has on other people. Mm -hmm. Because, Jeff, you and I both know, in the culture that we live in, this is one of the suffering areas, is people's emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. You know, So, in fairness to my great success, I need to tell you about when it doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) right so like anybody else we have certain expectations when we wake up in the morning of what our day is going to look like and on and on and on and yes wouldn't it be great if there was one emotion per hour you know (laughs) and we probably would say it should always be like joy enthusiasm you know whatever right um but it doesn't quite work that way right so um my son and I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm using my son and daughter as 
they, I mean, you could use another example, and I have. I, I think in the last podcast episode, I told you about a situation with one of our partners. But this one relates to my son. And my son um, is a college student. He's getting close to graduating. And um, we have always been very intentional about we're not going to just give him everything he wants when he wants it, how he wants it. Like mm-hmm. just write a check and, you know, like I'm like I am truly a bank. Um, so he, in fairness to him, he difficult time, not getting hours that he thought he was going to get from a new job. And, you know, something goes wrong that takes money out of the savings account, you know, and he's got a certain budget for the year. I mean, the whole deal. And he was kind of feeling kind of gloomy about it. And it was like, well, you know, you guys could do more for me. (laughs) Right. And, um, I was feeling kind of, um, I was a little disappointed. And I basically, then after feeling the disappointment, I started to feel disgusted, mm. anger, because I felt like, wow, how ungrateful. If you only realized how hard I'm working, we're working, my wife and I, to, to get you to the finish line of this degree thing. And I let him know that. My son is an eight on the Enneagram. (laughs) Your laugh says it all, Jeff. Yes. (laughs) Would you like a guess or two about how he responded? It probably wasn't with grace and empathy. No. (laughs) Not not saying anything bad about your son. I know what eights do. (laughs) Right. So I'll go back to my... One of my favorite sitcoms, Seinfeld, and George's dad is talking to Elaine. You want a piece of me? (laughs) (laughs) And that's his approach. Yeah. So for him, it's on. Mm -hmm. And one thing led to another, and it's back and it's forth, and it's back and it's forth. And then it comes to a conclusion when I walk away. As I'm walking away, I'm thinking, where was your practice then? Why did you allow it? And quite frankly, and you might say, Jeff, hey, I understand, Eric, man, ungratefulness and (laughs) complaining, that's really bad. Well, Jeff, you're right, it is bad. But we're not talking about him, we're talking about me Mm -hmm. and what I should do. So what did I learn from that, which is a typical approach that I take? What did I learn from that? What, What do I need to remember the next time? So after the mistake, I apologized to him for the areas where I was responsible. I did not hold him like, hey, I apologize, so now you have to apologize. I just, here, I'm taking ownership of my stuff. And he received it well. But the most important thing um, besides that was that, okay, this is a window of time when he's going to feel that pressure himself, and he's looking for answers for why is it so hard So the easiest thing to do is to complain that I'm not doing enough. I need to be prepared for that. Um, I need to recognize the pattern. Remember the season. Remember the environment. Remember my son is an eight. All of those things so that the next time, and Jeff, there's going to be a next time. Mm -hmm. I'm not robbing him of his right to say or do whatever he wants. He's his own person. 
But what I have control over is what I decide to do. And next time around, what I'm hoping is I will call on that practice that I used <laughs> explained earlier. That will allow me to make a better decision, which will more than likely lead to a better outcome. And it could be any of the competencies. You might pull on empathy. Yeah, I, I understand. You know, when I was that age, I thought things would be easy and they're not. You know, he's, he's in this growth period. Well, and Jeff, it, it kind of goes back to that tool bag. Mm-hmm having a knowledge of what tools are most appropriate for what problem or opportunity. Mm -hmm. And again, in your case, I go into my tool bag, pull out empathy, Eric. Hey, I understand. Um, I get it. I remember thinking, well, why does this have to be so hard? Well, I didn't, why do I have to pay out this money for this thing? I didn't see that coming. All right. There might be, again, I'm going to pull out, recognize patterns. Okay. Wait a minute. Oh, that's right. This is the season of college. Ah, he's an eight. <clears throat> I need to listen more than I speak. I mean, all those different dynamics mm -hmm. so that I'm better prepared. But the point in saying this is that we all are going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. The key is, well, after you've made the mistake, are you going to spend some time in review and reflection to go, okay, so where did I miss it? Why did I not go to it? Now, for me, I can dig deep enough to know um, I don't appreciate um, uh, what's the word I want to use in describing it. Um, I, ingratitude. Mm -hmm. That's probably one of my core values, along with respect and authenticity, all those kind mm -hmm. of things. You know, um, be thankful um, because part of part of that equation, Jeff, is the fact that. As bad as things might be, if you call it that in America, we're still unbelievably blessed mm, beyond right. the vast majority on the entire planet. Right. So for me, that's a call to, I get it. Nah, that's no fun having to write a check for that thing on your car. But you can write a check. Mm -hmm. There's some that can't. You have a car. On top of that, right? Right. So it is one of those things of kind of that, again, that process of, okay, let me, let me reflect after the fact. And how can I go to my tools? How can I go to my practice on a more intentional and consistent basis? And mm -hmm. that's, that's the process, right? And I think the one thing you said about going back and reflecting, make sure that you're using self-empathy when you're doing that. Powerful. Yes, very, very yeah, much. Don't beat yourself up because, like you said, we've been talking about it's a learning process. It's a development process. Use that issue where you didn't do as well as you wanted to mm -hmm. to build that muscle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 great uh, point, Jeff. And um, the reality around uh, self-empathy is, um, you know, I'm going to make the mistake again. Maybe not like that one. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, I, I will have like, okay, course correction. I've watched my game film. But Jeff, there's going to be tons and different things that are going to come my way that I don't expect that may derail me from my best. Mm -hmm. And I need to be okay with that. Because as I know you know, we're not in the Olympics here, right? There's There's no gold medals. There's no first, second, and third place. That's, this, is, this is like 
and unfortunately our culture in America, we have not done this. This to me is essential how to live life stuff. Mm -hmm. This is life management. This is how I can manage to be a healthy, well-adjusted person just existing. Exactly. You're, you, yeah, you need to keep that attitude of, yeah, I'm, there's no finish line. Nope. But what can I do on this journey to, to make my life better and easier? Yep. And then those people that are walking, I don't want to say alongside because we don't all walk at the same pace, but right. the people I encounter on that journey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it creates a, a powerful ripple effect as we continue to work on it. Um, so as I mentioned at the beginning um, of the show, there's a warning and an encouragement about the practice, right? Mm -hmm. So here's the warning. Um, if you do not develop this, if you do not work on this, there is a term inside of the world of uh, six seconds that says emotions drive people. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case and you've chosen not to develop a practice around managing your emotions, um, you will find yourself in places you never wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And you know, at the end of the day, Jeff, that's because your decision-making was directly correlated to that management, right? I think, you know, as you use that analogy of, I'm just going to get over into that lane that I'm not supposed to so I can get to where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And then you see the lights from the state trooper. Well, magnify that with, okay, you're in a relationship, um, whether it's, you know, brother, sister, wife, spouse, partner, whatever, and your emotions are basically running the show. Mm -hmm. you, you're not managing them well at all. Um, there is this idea, and I've alluded to it here and in other settings, of, not, of the 90-10 rule. 90% of life will be reflected in what choices you made. Mm -hmm. The other 10%, stuff you never could have seen coming, surprise, here it is. So if you're telling me that 90% is in my hands, it would seem like, man, you really should get good at making choices. Just really focusing in on and, making good choices. And if you've got that 90% under control or being monitored or whatever word you want to use, that 10% will be handled completely differently than you did before. You will before. navigate it. You will navigate You'll get through it. Yeah. That's a very, very, very powerful thing. Um, the encouragement to you is um, ultimately as you develop this practice, you will see results. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Jeff – and you and I haven't talked about this directly. Have you ever had anyone, a client, someone we've done work with that says, I developed a practice and I've grown my emotional intelligence, but it has not helped at all? No. I, I've yet to. Now, I've, I've, I've had some who have basically said, uh, you know, I, I meant to, and I, no, I, I really don't really look at that anymore. Yeah, I've met those folks. Mm -hmm. And maybe if we drilled down deeper, we'd find out more reasons. But at the end of the day, this is not some theory that we came up with and if you just try it it'll work it it it's it's based in science it's 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 reality based stuff and rem, you know always remember that emotional intelligence is learnable and it's not static you can go backwards yep and that's okay if you mm -hmm. if you're dealing with a lot of stuff 
it's natural that maybe you're, you know your emotional intelligence today, if you would take an assessment, was lower than when you took it when you were going well. Just remember that, and that's yeah. part of the management and uh, yeah, developing because, it. Yeah, and and you know we've we've heard this term of you know that emotions are data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like we do in the business of Spirit of EQ, like the business of our producer. Um, from time to time, there's some certain things that might start to fade and go south or, you know, they, they kind of languish. As good business people, mm-hmm. you would look at that. Why is the trend like that? Why is that falling off? Mm-hmm. Now, what you don't do is you don't go and say, well, because it fell off, I'm stopping. I'm never going to do it again. No, mm-hmm. no, no. Stop. <laughs> Just evaluate it. And begin to look at it and begin what's behind it. And and Jeff, you know, we've talked about this in other settings. Sometimes lower scores on an assessment can be a great opportunity to really reflect and kind of discover what's going on with that. Mm-hmm. What's behind that? Exactly. I wonder why that's this or why why that score is at this level when maybe because as fast as we're all moving. Stuff can happen and get into the machine very subtly that could be causing problems. The danger is, is if we don't look at all. When I do a debrief with someone on, on one of the assessment tools, I always, one of the first things I say is, we appro- I want you to approach this with curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, why? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Th- yeah. And we, I don't want to sound like I'm being anti-America because I love America. But I think, man, we really missed the boat on that one. And I think it was Carl Jung, if I'm pronouncing his last name right, the Swiss um, psychiatrist. Thinking is hard. That's why people judge. Mm-hmm. And I believe that firmly. And I think it's on vivid display. And remember that it's not just directed outwardly. <laughs> exactly. It's Yeah. yeah. Back, back yeah. to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Can you be curious long enough to, well, what's going on? Why, why is it that I, I get nervous when this happens? Or why is it that I, I get disgusted? Um, you're not the enemy. Yeah, and it, and it could be as simple as, okay, I'm, I'm feeling uneasy about something. What is it? Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, explore, be curious. And yeah. that's, those are the benefits I think are really important is yeah. – yeah, and those that that's what comes along with this idea about developing a practice. Mm-hmm. That's part of the process too. Everyone, we really appreciate you tuning in today, and we look forward to the next time that we're together. Take care. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with the Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So, yes. how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, yes. you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So to we're, hear- we're not the perfect podcast host. We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject 
hey, we need to dig deeper into that. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based, and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.